Exciting times. The draw for the 2023 FIFA Women's World Cup is tonight at the Altair Centre in Auckland. Around 800 guests in attendance, including the FIFA President and Secretary General. The 32 teams, including three yet to be confirmed in the inaugural playoff tournament in February, are going to be allocated into eight groups of four, so we'll know who is playing who in the group stages. As co-hosts, the Football Ferns will be automatically placed into Group A. Tonight, they'll find out who they'll play in that group with the tournament's opening game in Auckland, Thursday, July 20, followed by games in Wellington on the 25th of July and Dunedin on the 30th. We'll also find out which nations are based in which countries. Groups A, C, E and G are going to be in New Zealand, B, D, F and H in Australia. And there's some real celebs here as well. Two-time Women's World Cup winner Carly Lloyd is one of the draw conductors. Among the draw assistants, <coughs> excuse me, former football fan Maya Jackman, former England and uh, international and media personality Ian Wright, 2002 Brazilian World Cup winner Gilberto Silva and a bit of local flavour as well Kiwi Olympic gold medal winning snowboarder Zoe sadowski Sinnott is involved in the draw tonight let's bring in tournament CEO Dave Beach Dave thanks for taking time and what I know is a very busy day for you how big a milestone is this as we head towards July next year yeah, kia ora, Jason. Look, I think you summed up the facts and figures well. You've been uh, you've been well briefed, but uh, you know this is a major milestone uh, in what's the lead up to the world's biggest women's sporting event. And um, I think it's a good uh, readiness uh, call for New Zealand to understand what's coming their way. Um, you know, this uh, event tonight's going to be live broadcast around the world, uh, and as you mentioned, uh, there's, a, there's a lot hanging on it. So the teams are waiting to see who they're going to play and where they're going to be based. And then likewise, uh, the host cities have invested obviously a lot of time and energy into bringing this tournament uh, down under, uh, are waiting with bated breath to see who's going to both play in the, um, in the area and then uh, where the team base camps are going to be located as well. So yeah, a lot riding on tonight and uh, yeah, it's a, it's a major milestone with just nine months to go. Absolutely. Well, crucially, as you've said, we'll find out which nations are based in which countries. And we know that three of the United States, Sweden, Germany, England, France and Spain are going to be based here in New Zealand. I mean, as a Kiwi, Dave, are you hoping for a big gun here, the the USA or England maybe, to be based in New Zealand? Well, as you know, Jason, I look after both Australia and New Zealand. So <laughs> I, I know that. I know, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, 50, I'm 51% Kiwi, so actually, look, look, putting my tournament hat on, uh, I think it would be beneficial. I mean, the, the USA uh, have always had or have developed a very large supporter base following. So the numbers we're hearing out of the US are anywhere between 20 and 40,000 spectators uh, to come and follow that team. Um, and then with the Women's Euros recently, um, the Lionesses out of England have now developed quite a significant following. So we're, we're doing some work on that, those expected numbers, but those are likely to be the two biggest uh, internet teams that draw the biggest international spectators. So, uh, you know, from a tournament perspective, if, uh, if it was spread, uh, those teams were spread across both countries, it would be a good outcome. But look, whatever the outcome, uh, there's always a thread that you can follow. There's always a good story, and uh, it's how you engage with which teams are based where, um, and then you know b- bring the tournament to life. Oh, that's 100 percent right. Because you look at the teams, and in, in, I mean, the pot one has Australia and New Zealand in it, plus the the top six teams on the uh, on the FIFA Women's Rankings. But then when you look at pot um, B and C and D, or two, three, and four, if we get it get it right, um, there are some really interesting storylines that are going to flow through. And really, Dave, there are any number of possible you know combinations of teams that we could see here next year. Oh, no, exactly. Yeah, I mean, you've got Olympic champions Canada, and you know, they're not in the top six ranked teams. So, 
you know, they could end up playing uh, New Zealand or Australia in, in their opening matches. So, you know, there's, uh, and then you know, you've got the South American teams who are strong, and um, and then obviously from a you know a host nation perspective, uh, the Asian teams here have uh, a strong interest in terms of driving visitation and um, and I guess playing to the uh, the local populations we have in those cultures here. So there's, there's all sorts of uh, you know, matrices you have around these draws and where the teams end up, not only who they're playing and the strength and weakness of them. Uh, which goes to the quality of the, of the game, uh, but also, as I said, how the communities support and engage them so the teams can come down and have that really uh, Kiwi and Australian welcome and, and uh, hosting experience. Tell us about the format tonight at the Altair Centre. I understand it's sort of underway at 7.30, but once we get down to the nuts and bolts of the draw, how does it, um, for those who haven't seen one of these before, Dave, how's it all going to play out tonight? Yes, we uh, try broadcast first of all, so uh, you, can, you can tune in and watch that. Uh, and then um, basically there's a bit of a, a cultural welcome uh, and a bit of a show on before the technical draw itself. Uh, so that the, uh, the show itself is very entertaining and worth a watch. And then as we get into the technical draw, and there's a very strict process and procedures around it. So you have all the punts up on stage uh, and then you have uh, the teams drawn out of each of the pots in a, in a particular uh, sequence. It's randomised. Uh, all the, the teams are ranked and go into different pots according to their rank. So you try and distribute uh, the quality of the teams a- across all the, the groups in the tournament. And then basically it's an exercise of pulling pots out of a, a bin and uh, you end up with um, you know teams uh, allocated to different groups. There are some complexities around it which are explained in an introductory video around it, but you can't have three European teams playing in the same group, for example. So as you work through the process, there's some uh, teams that have to be sort of pushed uh, a group down, if you like. So then after that, uh, we'll, we'll wrap up with a bit of a celebration and um, there'll be lots of media interest from around the world uh, where all the teams uh, have ended up. And then, uh, yeah, the teams then head out uh, around Aotearoa, uh, New Zealand and Australia um, and check out uh, where they're going to be based and uh, have a look at the various uh, different base camp options. So... The team base camp model is something new for the, the women's game. So instead of uh, during the group stage, the teams uh, sort of following their various venues and sort of moving around, they, they settle down for the, well, they sit in one spot, I should say, for the group stage, and then they go out and back to any matches. So, uh, and there's a range of, in New Zealand, a range of different uh, hosting uh, towns uh, available to them outside the main four cities. So um, obviously the venues in uh, Auckland, Hamilton, uh, Te Otara, Wellington and Otipoti Dunedin. So um, there's, uh, those are the, where our stadiums are. And then outside that, we have uh, base camp options in Christchurch, uh, Napier um, and, uh, and other regional centres. OK, so the match schedule, that was locked in a little while ago in terms of uh, um, A1 against A2 and B1 against B2 and where those games are. What about kickoff times, Dave? When will we have kickoff times confirmed? Yeah, so that's a great question. So immediately after the draw, there'll be a group of us that go into a meeting room uh, and we'll lock ourselves away. And if we go through all the permutations and, um, you know, trying to get that balance right between, I guess, trying to maximise a broadcast audience and trying to make the times as appealing as possible to uh, to the local markets and, and the visiting uh, spectators who, from an attendance perspective and stay here. So that's a sort of trade-off we're working through. And uh, we will uh, try and get the final match schedule, including those kickoff times, out within 24 hours of completion of the draw. Okay, so that's going to be quite quick. And uh, I know tickets are on sale already. They're obviously going to ramp up once we know who's where. But in terms of the uptake of of tickets, people can buy city packs to watch every game in in a certain city and things like that. What what's the early interest in tickets been like? 
Yeah, so we we took those off sale this morning because we've uh, we've closed out that initial period of uh, three weeks uh, that we're on sale for those uh, venue packs and uh, as you mentioned the, the package type products and obviously you don't expect a huge uptake uh, during that period because people don't know where the teams are based but we, we've been absolutely blown away and the interest has been super strong so we sold more tickets in the first 24 hours uh, for this tournament than they did in the entire pre-sale period in 2019. So um, we, we think uh, we're really well placed to um, uh, reach our attendance target of 1.5 million, um, which is you know it's it's great. I mean I think the the uh, public of uh, New Zealand and Australia are really going to get in behind this. I mean we've seen what's happened with women's sport uh, and women's football more particularly globally, um, and in New Zealand with the Rugby Women's World Cup. I don't know whether you were at the opening game uh, the other day for that. That was a phenomenal experience. Full stadium, fantastic haka. The quality of the rugby was unbelievable. Uh, uh, you know, a tense first 25 minutes in that match. So, you know, and the, but, but for me, it was more about the atmosphere in the stadium. It was really energetic and alive and noisy. And I think we're going to um, help even build on that and take that to the next level with um, that combination of sort of football, uh, which we know is a noisy supporter sport, uh, and then you know that sort of family-friendly, um, really diverse demographic who are, are going to come out and support the game. Dave, that will be repeated on Thursday, July 20 next year. I've got absolutely no doubt when we know New Zealand will play someone at Eden Park in the opening game, you know, with the, the opening ceremony before it. Tonight we'll find out who it is. Man, I just I just can't wait to see who, who pops into Paul A alongside, yeah. Group A alongside. <laughs> I mean, what I, I kind of want to, I sort of feel like, you know, you, I'm in two minds really. I want, obviously, New Zealand to do well. So you want a, you want a group that you think, okay, they might get out of that. But whoever comes out of Pop B, you know, a, a team, as you say, like a, could it be a Canada? Could it be a Netherlands? Imagine New Zealand against Brazil for for goodness sake, in the tournament's opening game? Uh, it'd be an absolute cracker. And look, I think whoever it is, uh, I think it's going to be a fantastic opening match. And we've got no doubt we're going to fill the stadiums. You know, we've, our ticket pricing uh, is super affordable. So, you know, the focus for us has been on making this as accessible as possible for as many people as possible. So in the group stage, you can get to uh, many games for as, as cheap as $20 for an adult and $10 for a kid. Um, obviously, during the, the knockout stages, the prices increase slightly, but um, it's uh, it's super affordable, and you know we're expecting you know, definitely sell out for that first game. So if, if people are interested, they want to get involved in something special and new, and and you know what is the world's biggest women's sporting event, um, then I wouldn't delay with uh, with getting your tickets. All right, what, where do you sit or stand tonight, Dave? I'd be interested. Are you in amongst the like? Do you have an official role to play tonight, <laughs> or, or what do you? What do you do tonight? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a great question, Jason. I wear, I wear two hats tonight, so I'm sort of um, in the sort of the, the guestless, I guess you'd call it, and uh, making sure our government stakeholders, you know, the Prime Minister will be there, Minister Robertson, um, there's uh, representation from the Australian government, as you mentioned. So uh, there's a bit of a role to play there, and then always in the back of my head is um, operationally just, uh, you know, being an escalation point. But like, the, the team have absolutely uh, prepared a world-class event for tonight. It is going to be a knockout success. So uh, anticipating, I'll, I'll hopefully just be uh, hanging with the, um, the the politicians and the uh, the aficionado of, uh, of FIFA and football and all the, the great people who surround this game, which is, uh, which is fantastic. Terrific. Look, it's a it's an exciting day. Just even being in and around the city yesterday, and being there for the pre-draw, um, you know, festivities, and hearing from the likes of Ian Wright and Gilberto Silva and and Carly Lloyd, who's heavily involved tonight, you can feel 
the momentum building. And as you say, Dave, after tonight, when we know who's playing who and where, it's really going to ramp up. So, mate, all the best for a brilliant event tonight. There'll be millions of eyes on it. I know it'll go superbly. And uh, and look forward to catching up again soon. Thanks very much.